Hi, and welcome to the Unconventionalist Podcast. My name is Mark Roost, and this week we're going to talk about how to launch your startup. And before we dive into today's guest, I wanted to give a shout out to all of you for sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues, whether it's through social media or email or or even by text message. We've reached over 10,295 downloads to date, which feels so cool. And if you've been a regular on the show, then you know that one of my favorite parts is to share with you the top 10 countries around the world listening to this podcast. And the leaderboards ahead, as always, it seems to be the most predominant country ahead, United Kingdom, quickly followed by United States, third Kuwait, fourth Spain, fifth France, sixth Czech Republic, 7th Australia, 8th Denmark, 9th Romania, 10th Singapore, South Africa, Macau, Canada, you guys are right behind. So keep it up, keep sharing if you want to see your country raised up in the platforms, you know what to do, share with your friends and loved ones and make sure they, they listen. Um, also, I wanted to thank uh, a big shout out to all of you who've actually helped out by leaving a review on iTunes. It's uh, much appreciated. It actually helps a lot in terms of the visibility of the podcast. We've been getting a whole bunch of uh, reviews and comments. So thank you. If you'd like to contribute, simply go to iTunes on your phone or on your on your laptop and subscribe to the show and leave a review and a comment. If it's too complicated in terms of tech, you can always jump on marklaruse.com forward slash blog and I've got it all detailed there for you. Uh, I've done the, the heavy lifting if you want. Uh, y- you're welcome. <laughs> so, And before we do that as well, I wanted to make a little announcement. I'm actually launching a uh, eight-week accelerated program in January on, on how to build your personal brand. A lot of people have asked me uh, help around this and I've given a few talks around this and it seems that it's a topic that a lot of people struggle with because I think there's a lot of negativity around personal branding, especially inauthentic branding when it comes down to, to talking about ourselves in a real kind of selfish, egocentric way. And actually, I think there's, there's a totally different way of doing it that can feel both authentic and real, and it can actually be um, a real power and strength to your arc when it comes down to interacting with the world, uh, especially when it comes down to launching your own business, putting yourself out there, or, or maybe even in terms of changing careers. So if you're interested in finding out more, you can find that out at markruse.com forward slash academy. It's marklaruse.com forward slash academy. You've got all the information there and you've got the application forms, fill them out. I read them all personally and I'll get back to you within 48 hours. So go over on the website, check out the academy and I hope to see you on the program, which sounds very exciting. So today's guest is Johnny Miller. Now, what I find fascinating about Johnny is I met him as I was uh, leading a uh, tribe of 35 people that escaped the city with Sophie Miller and he was taking care of the startup tribe and I was taking care of the escape tribe the career change career change and we got talking and I heard his story and I was like okay I've got to stop you there because I need to get you on the show and you need to share your story uh, and it's the story of basically how him and his friends totally accidentally ended up in the startup world and he shares a story, so I don't want to spoil it too much, but the, the bottom line is just how incredible it is that, you know, just giving it a go, trying, and they ended up going over to Chile, getting $40,000 investment, and then the rodeo ride started uh, of their journey of, of, of launching Mapdia. And we also talked about something that I'm really interested in, in in researching a bit more and talking about more, which is the the big fat elephant in the room when it comes down to, to entrepreneurs and startup, which is actually the ups and downs and the, the emotional struggle and, and, and the mental uh, well-being that's being affected by a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of startups. And because of this whole mentality, you've got to hustle, you've got to look strong, and you've got to, you know, you've got to put 100 hours a week minimum in your, in your startup. As a, as a result, there is a thing called startup burnout. And what I loved about Johnny today is that he actually opened up a bit and talked about it in a way that I think is really helpful for a lot of us that need to, to hear this message. And I hope that it's going to be helpful when you hear it too. Um, yeah, and, it, and, it, and, it's, and it's also the fact that Johnny went and graduated from one of the most uh, difficult tech accelerator programs to be uh, in America. Then um, you'll hear about his story then. And also we tested out Facebook Live. So if you want to go and check out Facebook Live, it's facebook.com forward slash Mark Roost. And we're going to be doing more of this in the coming weeks. I just loved it. So when I'm going to get some guests on the show, we're going to record the podcast so that you guys get this in-depth, exclusive, intimate conversation straight to your phones or to your laptops. And 
We're also going to do like a quick five, 10 minute fire round of Q&A questions live. And it was so much fun um, just seeing people kind of logging in, watching and asking questions and we could do it live. We ended up doing it for 20 minutes. I'll be doing it shorter next time because I'll be probably better organized. Um, and also I wanted to, to speak to um, those of you who reached out following my previous podcast on the elections that I actually recorded on, on the results day and who also checked out on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Mark Roost, if you're interested, uh, around the video I did on the results and why it's going to be okay. And actually what's been amazing is, is seeing people who started reaching out, sharing their stories of positivity and, and how actually um, one of my students, Christopher Hudson, uh, did his first YouTube channel as a result of that because he wanted to start spreading positivity. So big shout out to you, Christopher, for, for taking action and, and going down that road. It's so cool to see you on, on YouTube doing your first videos and, and sharing and spreading that positivity. Keep it up. Okay, I've spoken long enough and I would like to introduce you the one and only Johnny Miller. Johnny, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying when you came in, it's like, I don't think I've ever seen you wearing anything else but a t-shirt. I, I try, I, yeah, I try to keep fresh, I guess. Um, <laughs> I think at some point it's going to get too cold and I'm going to have to relent. Yeah, for <laughs> listeners who can't see the weather outside, it's raining. <laughs> it's like it was cold and raining. Yeah, it's horrific and grey. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> or did you have like a massive jacket? You took it off just before you came here to like. I left look my hard. jacket at Escape. Yeah, okay. I've got a big bear jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, mate, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I know it's always like a bit of a daunting experience of like, what the hell is Mark going to like talk about, or what did you know? Um, but I really want to get you on the show because I thought you had like an incredible story. Like you know, when we sort of caught up and we talked about your sort of background journey, and I read mm. the. I know how long many words blog post that was mm, posted about you 25 guys 25 minute <laughs> long post <laughs> 25, yeah, yeah ridiculous media yeah. article yeah so for people who don't know who johnny miller is yeah. um how 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 would you normally start the story of like oh how did you get involved in startups mm. um so that's a it's, it's a question that i guess changes a lot but i um i kind of fell into, into the startup world um i was quite fortunate in that Back in this must be six six years ago, mm-hmm. um, I ran a travel magazine with two of my best friends back at university, Dorothy and Dean, and we we just did it for fun. Um, and when it came to graduating, the one thing that we knew was that we didn't want to just go and get a job in the city, and mm-hmm. we kind of didn't want to follow the crowd into into consulting and banking. So um, Dorothy and Dean travelled around South America, and when they're out there, they they couch surfed with someone who. He transpired to be a Haitian prince. <laughs> so, <laughs> this, yeah, the story's already get, getting a bit crazy. Um, but he was applying for this this program called Startup Chile. Um, was he a Haitian prince? He was a Haitian prince, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, he was in, in, in hiding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, as one does, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's has a surreal, a surreal beginning. And so they came back to England and I just... Um, just finished my degree and we basically had this idea for a website um but we didn't really know what it was going to be like but we were like okay we've got nothing to lose we might as well apply for this this startup chili program it's basically government-run incubator they give foreign entrepreneurs forty thousand dollars <laughs> to fly to chile and start a business any business any business at all um so it's so like it i want to sell penguins jackets or something like that i could go and apply yeah, you could you <laughs> could make your application. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think we uh, we were quite lucky because when we heard about this, it was very early on in the program. It was only the second round. Yeah. So I think they hadn't really promoted it outside of Chile that much. Okay. So um, I think to some extent we were quite lucky. But anyway, we we read a bunch of business books. We kind of filled our application <laughs> with like buzzwords. How old are you by by by, by so then? So twenty twenty uh, twenty one. Yeah, twenty one. Um, okay. So really young, and in fact, Dean. Dean didn't even know what a startup was. He thought it was something to do with engines. <laughs> 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 this is how ridiculously naive what, what, we were. What degree did you study? Um, I did philosophy and economics. So you didn't do business? They did geography. Okay. So we, we t- collectively knew nothing about startups. Yeah. Um, but I think we had this conviction that we were able to, to learn a lot along the way. And we just really didn't have anything to lose. And I think we viewed it as a bit of an adventure. So, so anyway, we sent off this application. Um, I then went to work as a surf instructor for a couple of months in Morocco mm-hmm. and we almost didn't really think that much more about it. I think we weren't really, you know, expecting that we'd be mm-hmm. taken seriously. Um, and then in October, we heard back from the the government and we found out that we got in. 
<laughs> and it was just this absolute, I still remember I was on a Skype call in this Moroccan cafe talking to Dean and Dorothy and she t- Dorothy told me that we got in and we were just like, absolutely over the moon it was it was honestly one of like the the most surreal and and uh, yeah uh, uh, and what what did you put in the application and what was the idea because if you guys like reading like business books about how to pitch what did you put in the idea that yeah yeah so um funny like looking back on it now i mean it's it's nothing it's completely unrecognizable from what map went on to become yeah um but i remember dorothy actually taught herself how to animate in the two weeks before the application okay so she put together this little quirky animated video with dean doing a ukulele sa- like backing soundtrack to yeah. this video application um and we we had this idea for a it was basically a, a travel website with everything on the map yeah and with different layers and different tiers and it was it was basically google maps before google maps existed. okay <laughs> it was so naive and so just idealistic yeah um but i think I think our enthusiasm and I think our um, just passion kind of must have come through in the video yeah. and in through through the application. So cool. somehow we got in. So off you go to Chile. Yep. And you get there. Yep. And you're like, okay, this is happening. And then you get forty thousand dollars investment. Yeah, so it's it's actually it's on a reimbursement process, but we um we flew to Chile mm-hmm. and we landed there and I remember walking into the it was called the CMI and it was a room full of two hundred other entrepreneurs, um and from sixty different countries all around the world. Wow. So just this incredible, incredible environment. And one of the things that I remember most strongly is just how um powerful the peer to peer mentorship was. So okay. although so between yourselves like between all yeah. of the other teams. So just hearing the stories from the other entrepreneurs that were going through the programme, what they were working on, what they'd done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um a bunch of people with coding experience, design experience, marketing experience. And it was just um it was just this fantastic learning experience and for us I think we realised that we were so kind of naive and certainly probably some of the youngest people there mm-hmm. so we just viewed everything as this learning opportunity sure um, and we felt like we had nothing like to lose the best postgraduate experience you could ever do really yeah yeah, com- yeah. completely best completely MBA. um and although we didn't have this kind of business background i think that we all we pretty quickly decided that um if we're going to try and make this happen we're going to le- need to know the skills yeah and so dorothy had done a bit of design work before so she was kind of the 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 lead designer effectively. Yeah. Dean had I think written a bit of HTML and CSS before, so he's like, okay, I'm gonna take it upon myself to learn to code, to learn JavaScript. Yeah. And I wanted to learn more about marketing. I'd always been interested in psychology and philosophy, and I felt like that's kind of lent itself to community building and marketing. So we basically sought out to, I guess, sponge information and. <laughs> experiences <laughs> from all of the other entrepreneurs in this yeah. program yeah. and teach ourselves and immerse ourselves in the world of startups. So did you, do you remember like, were there any like really funky weird ideas of startups that were there? Was there anybody that you were there like going, that is, that is a funky idea. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get in? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, there was one guy who was doing a, so th- there were two that really stand out. Um, I can't remember what the name of the company was, but it was basically implanting cockroaches with robotics so you could it was called uh, ro- uh, the name was robo roach and you could literally <laughs> c- control these cockroaches with an app on your phone you could get them to go left no. or right and direct them no and it was basically like science experiments for kids and teaching them about using arduino and raspberry pi and all that kind of stuff that and they, those guys were fantastic like they were just absolutely <laughs> brilliant that is insane um, there was a guy doing like an underwater submarine that you could uh, control with an app as well there were just like, like the variety was astonishing. Yeah. It was really, really interesting. And so are you all living together at this point in the in, in a flat, like all the, the co-founders? You guys are all staying in the same flat or? Yeah. So we um we lived together and worked together for, well, for the three or four years. For the wow. first three or four years. So it was wow. really like a kind of a startup family. Yeah. Um, In many respects. And we also, so the other aspect of the story is we realized that we didn't know how to code. So we put a, <laughs> a, a poster on uh it was an advert on escape the city actually they helped yeah. promote it and it was uh do you know how to code do you know ios or python or ruby we just listed some languages and um we put it out there and we we had a few people get in touch um and one of these one of the guys got in touch was a guy called janchi from japan <laughs> and he um he basically he had this background in lisp 
which yeah. is a, a programming language that's basically super techy, super yeah. nerdy. Um, and he was like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll quit my job working <laughs> for <laughs> mathematical systems and fly it to Chile and join you guys. Why not? <laughs> so oh in what had, or, had, had a kind of, I guess, a surreal beginning, got even more surreal when this 30-year-old Japanese, Japanese guy coder, okay. quits his job, flies out to Santiago to meet us. And I'm, I remember meeting him at the airport and we, we had like wooden or cardboard signs like say, saying, welcome Janchi, like yeah. great to have you on board. Yeah. And yeah, we spent the. the did next you d- reassure me? Did you have like a Skype chat with him before, like just to double check that he like we, we he had was a normal, we had like a several s- yeah several Skype. Yeah, I could just imagine like every calls. yeah okay. And we d- we did our best not to appear like complete techie noobs, and actually <laughs> like, we knew what what it was that he did and what yeah. he had to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which very quickly evaporated once he once he arrived. <laughs> <laughs> did you realize like oh okay you guys have no idea about coding whatsoever? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically yeah. So so walk me through so walk me through this experience. Cause so, so you're there, like the team's there. There's this, this kind of there's a buzz around you. Everybody's mm. like believing, and there's like you guys can do it. Mm. And there's something else happened. Like you, you heard about this. Um, is it accelerator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in back in the US. So tell mm-hmm. tell tell the the audience a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So um, one of the one of the talks that they gave at the CMI was by someone from uh, Techstars, which is um, it's similar to Startup Chile, but it's slightly later stage. So it's a tech accelerator. And um, they're based in Seattle, Boston, um, Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. and a couple of other locations. And it's basically a um, an incubator program. So they take 10 startups um, every, I think, twice a year. Um, and they, they will often get between one, one and a half to 2,000 applications per, wow. per round. So it's super competitive. Yeah. Um, and we heard about this. And towards the end of the six months, we were running out of the, the startup chili money. Yeah. So it became. So, so, so sorry to interrupt. So the yeah. how did it work then? Did they say here's forty thousand dollars, or they go you can spend the money and we'll pay you back? Yeah. So um, you can spend the money and then they pay you back. It's a reimbursement process. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully you didn't spend forty thousand dollars in one go, and you kind of like went. Okay. We weren't too crazy, no. But we we realized that our runway was pretty much running out okay. pretty quickly, and we could either fly back home or um, try and apply for this this thing called Techstars that we had. It was really our, I guess, our last shot before coming back home yeah. so um so this is how long in uh, how long are you in chile at this point this was about five months in so we had okay about, had about a month left so yeah. one of the conditions is you have to stay in chile for six months for the program okay that's one of the, the few strings attached yeah um but then you can leave then you can leave yeah go back home that is insane it's crazy yeah that is insane yeah. okay sorry so you hear about this the Techstar accelerated program in yep. the u.s and you you and the co-founders kind of uh, you know and and your new acquired japanese coder mm-hmm. and you guys we, we should do this or like we should give it a shot yeah, so we because um, it's harder to get in there than Harvard, right? It's like there's like a like a quote somewhere. Harvard right? and Yale combined, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy. And in actual fact, we in the beginning didn't think that we we you know it was even worth a while applying. Um, yeah, and it was only we went for a walk through the um, through some of the mountains near Santiago with one of our one of our mentors and some friends, and he was like, "You guys should just apply for this. Like, you've got nothing to lose." Um, and so we we sent off the application, and I think a couple of weeks later we heard back from them to say um got your application looks interesting do you guys want to fly to uh to seattle and meet some of the mentors um by the way this is in like three days time (laughs) 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 and we were like like what the hell do we do yeah (laughs) yeah and we we didn't we you know didn't have that much money we couldn't really pay for flights so we ended up crowdsourcing some of the flights from other people in the Startup Chile program and basically finding these really cheap flights for Dorothy and myself to fly to Seattle and meet some of these guys at this, it was called Techstars for a day. And um, so we did that. It was interesting. There were, I think, 40 or 50 other startups there. Um, we felt really overwhelmed. Like there were people from Apple and Google and people who just really seemed to like know what they were doing yeah. and know what they were talking about. Um, and then what we decided to do which in hindsight, I think, really, really helped us, was we stayed in Seattle and we asked if we could work from their co-working space for the next five days. Um, and in actual fact, we didn't really have enough money to <laughs> pay for accommodation. So we slept on the floor of this co-working <laughs> space <laughs> for five days. 
And Without them knowing. Uh, we found some, there was some soundproof matting that was from some of the sky boots that we just laid on the floor and we just slept on that without them knowing. <laughs> and we, we, d- we wake up at 6.30 in the morning and like put it all back so no one really knew like what we did. they're doing. just like, oh, these guys are working hard. <laughs> they're here when we leave. They're here when we arrive. These maybe. guys want this. M- maybe, <laughs> m- maybe that helped. Um, but anyway, we used the next five days to yeah. basically hustle and get as many meetings with the mentors as, as possible. So we figured that the program director would be really overwhelmed with, with you know, applications and people emailing him and hassling him. But we figured if we could get the mentors in the program to um, really have faith in us and to convince them that we really wanted this, then that would then feed back to the program director. Mm. And we would basically have more of a chance of getting in. So that's essentially what we did. We had, I think, 15 coffee meetings in the space of three or four days. <laughs> And just like relentlessly being like, okay, here's what we're doing. Give us some feedback. We'll we'll learn from it. We'll make changes. Yeah. We'll kind of yeah. Take, and and, take and how did you get in touch with these guys? I mean, was it literally like you had a list of the people that were associated to this program, and then you reached mm. them out by email, by Twitter? I mean, what yeah. Was so the so the mentors were listed on the website, and it was purely a case of go. So I went to to LinkedIn and looked for like mutual connections. Yeah. In LinkedIn, um, some of the previous textiles alumni were also in the co-working space. Okay. So we kind of talked to them. Um, I just asked them for coffee and then asked if they wouldn't mind introducing us to a couple of these yeah. people. And from there, it was just a case of kind of warm introductions. Yeah. And slowly, yes, yeah, a few cod emails as well. Sure. Um, <laughs> and if you like stopping them in the corridor going, I know your face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just leave me alone. Like yeah. <laughs> and so so I've, I'm guessing at this time, you guys have, in the jargon of the s- some startups, like pivoted mm. at this point. I mean, are you guys have changed a little bit. Are you, are you kind of adapted to your original Google map idea or... Yes, yeah, so at, at this time, um, the the story that we were telling was um, this idea of, I guess, Pinterest on a map. Yeah. So a kind of a, a map travel-based Pinterest. Yeah. Um, and it was it was very much like a, a kind of swing for the fences type move. And although we had a, a very basic prototype, um, in fact, it was something that Jean, uh, Dean and Janchi had built. And it involved um, over, f- I think, four and a half million hexagons. So they split the entire world into four and a half million hexagons. And each hexagon would have an image and the idea was you you could pan and you could zoom in and out and view different places through these different lenses. So you could see like a surfing map of the world mm. or you could see a food map of the world. Yeah. Um, and so so very different to what Maptia ended up becoming. Um, but yeah, we had this prototype. And sure. And so, okay, so you had these conversations and then what, you had to fly back to Chile or did you, you could, could you stay there? I mean, what was the... Yeah, so we, um, we were going to fly back to Chile, but then... We we went to a I think we went to a conference in Keystone, and shortly afterwards we were told that we had been invited to the final round of interviews. Um, and I'm not sure if I should if I'd say this, but anyway, the final round of interviews were in Las Vegas, <laughs> in this uh, in this crazy five star hotel, and it was the middle of summer, and it was just a really surreal place. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to Las Vegas, yeah, yeah, but have, it's yeah. quite a crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy city, and. Um, and you're y- you guys are young. You're like on this kind of crazy wave of like, okay, we've got the startup. We're going to change the world with a map app. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah. You go to Las Vegas. <laughs> we're in the final round, guys. for tech stars. Let's let's live it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And so the interview itself was in um in one of the penthouse, uh, like one of the top floor, one of, one of the suites, and it was like a thirty minute interview with the program director and three uh, three mentors, mm. and it was honestly. The one of the most nerve-wracking experiences sure. of my life. It was like, like grad- Dragon's Den, pa- that kind of stuff. Palms are sweaty, yeah. terrifying. They deliberately asked like really, really tough questions, didn't give anything away. And we walked out feeling like... We fucked it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, w- I think we gave good answers, but we just felt like, you know, we'd, we're going to have to spend the next three weeks just hustling so hard and making progress and doing everything we could. And then we had drinks later that evening. And... Um, Andy, the program director, took Dorothy aside and he basically, he told her there and then that we got in, but he was like, you can't tell anyone. (laughs) 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 And so she had to then go, I think she went to the, like the women's bathrooms and just had this like Bridget Jones moment of like jumping Ah, up and down in the the toilets, just going crazy and then came out like completely calm. Yeah. But Dean kind of suspected that like, Dorothy's acting a bit weird. Like what's, what's up? Yeah. Um, And then at the end of the evening, she told... Uh, she told all of us and we had this like huge celebration moment in this <laughs> corridor of this, in this <laughs> casino yeah <laughs> like we got into Texas yeah yeah 
Well done. Awesome. So at this point, you'd have to go back and pack your bags in Chile. Did you have already all your stuff with you there? Did you? No, no, no. So we, we went back to Chile. We kind of, uh, so we told everyone the news and they were obviously thrilled. Um, said goodbye to people there, kind of wished them the best. Yeah. And yeah, I think the, the textiles program started in um, late in September. So yeah. kind of September through to November. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then we packed the bags for Seattle. Boom, off to Seattle. And by, by the way, while all this is happening, are like your parents back home and like your friends telling you like, what the hell are you doing, Johnny? Like, like I'm, I can't keep up with you. Or like, what is this thing? Because this is this is like I'm guessing a few a few years ago. Mm. Um, what was the kind of initial reaction you had from people around you in your life? Mm. Yeah, so this is back in 20, 2012. and I think um, my parents didn't really understand what like what it is that we were doing but they were like well you know someone's giving them some money and <laughs> they're obviously <laughs> having a good time and they're getting to travel so why not it's just yeah it can't be yeah. a bad thing um and likewise i think a lot of my friends kind of ended up mostly going to going to work in the city and so i did i did stay in, stay in touch but it's quite hard to to really explain like what it is that you're doing because mm. it doesn't it barely made sense to us and so i really <laughs> understand that it's it's hard for others to relate because this I don't know the startup world it really is a bit of a bubble and it's quite hard to explain it to someone yeah. who isn't really in sure, that. Sure, sure. And so you you guys pack your bags off you go to Seattle. You're on this accelerator program. How long does that last? So the accelerator program lasts for for three months, and okay. the way they split up is um, the first month is basically they overwhelm you with with mentors and feedback. Um, so you have we had kind of 20 or 30 mental meetings within the first few weeks. And it really is quite overwhelming um, because all of these very ex experienced you know, CEOs and um, <coughs> basically ex expert people that you feel like know a lot more than you do are giving you advice. And often it's quite conflicting. So it's like, who do you who do you follow? Like, which way do you go? And I think we ended up being pulled in lots of different directions. Yeah and trying to basically people please and trying to tick these boxes that people were were giving us and so that kind of lasted for um probably about six weeks and yeah. we then tried to kind of panic and build something so that we had something to show yeah in time for demo day we started to enjoy, I mean, we, did you were you seeing like um like a pattern of feedback that was coming back or was it all different stuff like you should do this and then someone else was saying something different i mean was mm. it or could you see general patterns of feedback of going, ah, oh, there's this thing that keeps on coming up? Mm. So the I think the patterns were um, generally pushing us towards something that would be more like more like Pinterest. Yeah. Um, so this kind of big, bold vision that would involve um, hiring a bunch of people, raising a bunch of money, and um, yeah, pouring resources into it basically yeah. to see if it could see if it could happen. Um, and that I think. Although it's very, um, it's very appealing to be kind of told that by mm. these people that like, oh, you guys need to raise, you know, five million sure. or whatever that looks like. Um, but something didn't really sit right with us, I think, at the yeah. time. Um, and then when it came for the, so the final third, the final month is all focused towards Demo Day. And although Dorothy did an amazing job um, kind of preparing this pitch and crafting this narrative. To Dorothy tell. was the CEO. Dorothy's the yeah. CEO, yeah. So she was doing the pitching. Um, and by the way, for anyone thinking of doing this kind of stuff in the States, a British accent goes a long way. So, uh, <laughs> I still feel like that's the reason that we that we're actually accepted in the first place is just having a British accent. So. In Las Vegas, I saw an advert in London that said the place where your accents are natural aphrodisiac. aphrodisiac yeah. yeah, that's so the cheap, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a tourism <laughs> advert. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 she, so she does them a day. Yep. And then what happens? So demo day goes really well, um, but then we're kind of faced with this interesting um, dilemma, I suppose, because we're on we're on business working visas, so it's mm. only we're only allowed to be there for six months before it expires. So our choice is either go back to go back to England, maybe live in London, mm -hmm. um, where the rents probably going to be quite expensive, and pay for a co-working space, and try and figure out a way to make this work using the existing investment from textiles. Um, or we thought, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to kind of spin the globe and actually use this money that we've been lucky enough to have been given and use yeah. it to buy us some time. 
Oh, so on, on Techstar, you also get some funding? Yeah, so they, they invest what's, or they give you what's called a, a convertible debt note, which is $100,000. And they also invest, I believe it's $14,000 on top of that, which is for 6% equity. So for someone, so, um, so this is, uh, I'm super curious about this. Mm. And I know a lot of people who listen to this like, you just you just spoke Chinese, so <laughs> um, so the first one equity. So mm. if you had to explain it to like my six year old nephew mm. what equity actually means, what mm. what in a nutshell, what would you say? Mm. It's a, a chunk of the a chunk of the business. So if you imagine um, the business is, is a big pie, mm-hmm. uh, you'd have a six percent slice yeah. which you've given away to someone okay. in, in return for this this got money. it and then and then obviously <laughs> if the evaluation of the startup raises mm-hmm. the cake gets bigger mm-hmm. so that slice proportionally becomes bigger precisely yeah okay cool so they have six yeah. percent was that fixed or was that a that's, w- yeah. dilutable over that's round no that's that's fixed and then if you went on to raise more and more it would become less because it would be a bigger pie okay i'm gonna pretend i understood because <laughs> 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 I, I remember like um one of my friends was explaining that he went through a startup, uh, the one in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and he was explaining the system. I was like, I don't get it. It's like, yeah, but if you raise funds, then anyway, cool. So, and then the hundred thousand, what, what is it? It's a, it's a convertible loan. Is that what it's called? It? Yeah, it's basically a loan, and so it will convert to equity at a favorable rate if you then go on to raise another round. Okay, but does that mean you have to pay back the hundred thousand um, dollars? Yeah, in in theory, you do if you don't go on to raise another round. So this is something that um, Mapti still owes this money. Yeah. Um, but they've extended the the, the the period, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what my mate has as well with uh, with his other with his startup as well. That must be daunting, though. Like, so you guys, yeah. like the three, I mean, four of you now at this stage. I don't know how many are you still, or yeah, yes, yes, yeah, four, four of you. You've got this hundred thousand dollar debt, effectively, mm-hmm. or, or investment. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you thinking at this stage, or are you just kind of just running with it? Like, this is full on. We're we're in this. Like, we're just kind of full heads. Yeah, so I mean, I suppose um, although it is debt, it's it's technically company debt, so the debt isn't on us. Okay. Which is, I mean, it would be very different if it was a personal debt. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think we just viewed it as an opportunity, and I think that although we were so grateful for for TechStars and for the for the network for this this amazing learning opportunity, and yeah. we met just some really really inspiring people. Did you not? Am I confusing and saying that you met Chase? Chase yeah, Jarvis. Chase Jarvis. Yeah. Um, Rand Fishkin was also one of our mentors yeah. out there, and he was just like, was just a real inspiration. Um, yeah. And as a marketer myself, like he was someone that I'd I read all of his blog posts. Sure. And was what, what was inspiring about them? What, what was it about them that was kind of? I think, um, well, for, I mean, to use Rand as an example, his kind of infectious enthusiasm, mm. and the fact that he was someone who was just, I think and still is ins- insanely busy and you know he has a lot of work to be doing but he would set aside you know two hours of his day to come and meet these like four british entrepreneurs <laughs> that didn't really know what they were doing but he'd give his time yeah and he'd really um he'd really want us to succeed and yeah. kind of tweet about us i remember when he first tweeted mapped you he crashed the website <laughs> he did this twice and it became a running joke that every time we shared maps here it was just our service would go down <laughs> yeah that's what happened with november when Stephen fry right uh, a couple of years ago wait they didn't crash it but he almost crashed the the website with the first time he tweeted <laughs> out november i don't think they were used to that that kind of traffic yeah um so he goes to show that it does work like when you get people tweeting or talking about you uh, yeah 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 um and i think also for us just to see um I guess to see people who really embodied that kind of pay it forward mindset yeah. um, was really was really new to us. I mean, we were really new to the startup world and to see people just really giving up their time and their advice and their contacts without expecting yeah, anything, anything in return, return yeah. is so, so valuable and it's something that's really kind of stayed with us. I love that. Today. Yeah. Um, and I hope you won't mind me sharing this because it's written in your blog post. Mm. So if people want to get more about this, they can read But what I loved about hearing what you guys realized is that you were faced with this dilemma between are we in this for the money mm. and like making this a huge machine mm. or do we believe in a purpose and, and we're just going to have to go a different road and, and, mm. and that's what you guys were at, right? Like about that point, was it about that point that you kind of had to mm. make the decision or? Mm. Yeah, no, it was. Um, and I think, I mean, our initial decision to relocate to Morocco. Yeah. Um, was partly just because I mean initially it was for the cost because you know you can move to Morocco and you can live out there for not very much money at all and I'd I lived out there before when I was teaching surfing 
Um, and I kind of vaguely remembered that there might be some internet access. So, <laughs> you know, there might be enough for Dean to push a few updates to the server. So anyway, I, f- I flew out there. We found this this really beautiful um, kind of apartment right by the sea. And um, we, we haggled for a really good six-month rent there. And we were like, you know, we can make this work. Um, so Dorothy and Dean flew out there as well. Um, and, yeah, I think it was only really then that we actually had the the headspace um which was partly made possible by the fact that there'd be power cuts every kind of <laughs> few days so you really couldn't get like sure. get stuff done on the internet yeah um some of the time so we'd have these like brain brainstorming sessions on the roof of this of this apartment and it really became clear to us that we'd kind of we'd been inspired by um like magazines like national geographic mm. um and by traveling itself and i think for us it really came down to um storytelling yeah, and using storytelling as as a medium for inspiring adventure and kind of creating this um, cross cultural empathy. Yeah, and also sharing the great work that's been done by lots of um, impactful organisations all around the world. And sure. I think that for us felt very different to this kind of um, Pinterest type product, mm. which might be able to grow and scale really quickly, but didn't ultimately have that much depth to it or mm. that much meaning. Mm. So, um, although it was quite a tough decision, it we ended up just kind of completely abandoning the first pr- prototype that we'd built sure. and taking this whole new direction that was more focused around storytelling, and, storytelling yeah. and photography. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm conscious of the time and there's so much I want to cover with you. Mm. Um, one of them is around, we've had these conversations offline a couple of times around like what people make up the startup world is mm. and actually what the reality is. Mm. Um, for someone who's like listening to this and, you know, who's kind of, super excited about the startup world and mm. wants to become a startup like entrepreneur and all the startup founder. Mm. Like what would be like some of the words of advice that you've learned about the journey that you'd want to pass on? Mm. Um, well, there's, there's a lot. I think it's, it always depends on, on the person. And I think something that we, that we talk about at Escape the City that I think is super valuable is mm. really being clear on um, what your, we call it what your good idea criteria are. Mm-hmm. So like, what does what does success look like to you, and what is it the most important is most important? Because people often get seduced by this idea of building the next like multi million dollar app and and selling out for millions. But actually, what might be better for you is maybe a a more sustainable kind of lifestyle business, which actually enables you to to travel or to to meet interesting people or to do interesting work. And I think that people just so quickly get seduced into this mindset of like okay it's not a startup if i'm not gonna raise a bunch of money and move to san francisco and and go down that path so i think really just being clear on what you're driven by in the beginning um can save you a lot of a lot of heartache and a Mm. lot of stress down the line yeah can you be a, a startup and a lifestyle entrepreneur Uh, I think so. It depends on how you define that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess like, you know, there's all these terms being thrown around. Like, so lifestyle entrepreneur, I don't know how you kind mm. of uh, define it, but for me, it's like someone who's interested in, in, in running a business where they've got a bit more freedom. Mm. They're not so much focused on, on, on revenue. Mm. Uh, they kind of have either they have a product or a service that they can deliver pretty much from either a fixed location or, or mm. elsewhere, but they're not interested in like scale, mm. growth, um, I mean, that's how I see it, kind mm. of, you know. That like, I, I'd get up to probably, probably under a million, but, like, mm. up to about a million, you could still hold, a, like, a lifestyle entrepreneur, I guess. Mm. And then beyond that, then when you start scaling, recruiting team, big members, or th- then you can more of a, of a business. Mm. Does that, I mean, how... Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I guess the the company that I think of is, is Basecamp. So, Jason, Jason mm. Freed and DHH, I think they've done a, an amazing job. They never took investment, and they've kind of taken the path of growing much more slowly. Um, and I'm personally really inspired by companies like Patagonia, who um, yeah. from from almost day one have said, look, we want to be a hundred year company. We want to be around for the long run. And I think that's really, really hard to do if you play the kind of the venture capital game, mm. because those guys, they invest in you because exit they, in they, want, yeah. they want to see that exit in yeah. like five, maximum 10 years. Yeah. And that's completely at odds if you want to stick around for kind of more than a, a decade or two yeah what what's your what's johnny miller's definition of a startup if you had to like tweet like <laughs> a definition if you had to like sum up the 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 essence of a startup what would you what would you say um 
Uh, it's it's so tricky because I think it's it does change. I mean, when I when I think of startups, I think of high high growth companies, mm-hmm. um, s- and and also companies which do things a bit differently mm. and are maybe a bit more innovative. Yeah. Um. So I think you probably can have startups that are born within big existing organizations as well. Yeah. I think it's partly a mindset as well. Yeah. The so you're now doing um you're also doing some work in Escape the City that you mentioned where mm. you're actually leading the startup tribe. Mm. There'll be a new tribe in January. Yep. They're coming up. So the enrollments and can people start applying? Is that has that been open? Yeah, yeah. The application process opened last week. Yeah. So what do, what do you like in a two, three minutes, if you mm. had to like explain to the audience listening to this and like, okay, what happens? Like what do you guys do there? Like what, what do you take them on for like this twelve week program? Mm. Yeah. So um we we cover we cover a lot over the twelve weeks. We start off with um what I mentioned just now about covering kind of the good idea criteria and the mm-hmm. different startup parts and making sure that you're you're in this for the right reasons and mm-hmm. that you've got the right motivations. Um we then go on to cover things like um building the what we call the MVP, which is the minimum yep. viable product. So we take like a lean startup approach. Mm-hmm. Um from there it's a lot of work on customer development. Um, we try and get in the first weekend. We try and get people to get something out there, whether it's the first version of their product or a landing page or getting the first signups. And basically, we try and give people the tools and the community um, to keep each other accountable and to make three small steps every week, so mm. that you get that momentum and you um, you actually you actually you make you make progress. And then towards the end of the of the tribe, which is where we're at where we're at with the current tribe. Mm-hmm. It's more focused around um, different funding paths, um, sales, kind of uh, inbound marketing, mm-hmm. um, and and the different routes that you have beyond the tribe, and and what the next kind of six to twelve months looks yeah. like. Yeah, is there um is there like a th- I don't know if you know if you've been involved in, in the startup probably since the start or not, but have you, is there like a, s- a success story? Is there like a startup that's come out of it that you kind of like hey you could go could check those out, or is it more of a kind of a long game? Yeah, yeah. So there's a few. I mean, I think we, um, we personally, or here at Escape, we define success on an individual basis and helping mm. people get unblocked and yeah. really getting clear on their values. But in terms of um, specific businesses that have come out from previous tribes, there's um, there's a great company called Stashby who were in the tribe a couple of, I think, two rounds ago, and they're in the process of um, going to Crowdcube. They they're basically doing an Airbnb for storage space <laughs> cool. so if you've got like a, a spare garage or some space that you can you can then rent out to other people to mm. use the storage space mm. um, and they they have a brilliant story in that they just completely um they hacked their mvp for a long long time and just did everything manually yeah they've now got to the point where they've got so much demand and they've built up this marketplace that is um is really growing so they're kind of looking at okay now how can we how can we scale this and what do the next steps look like? That, that's cool. Um, coming to the end of the interview, um, one topic that you know that I love talking about mm-hmm. is around resiliency mm. and around um, coping with the ups and downs of the entrepreneurial journey, which are yeah. many. You know, yeah. um, Why do you think a lot of people who are at least on the side of starting their business are afraid of opening up and speaking about what it's really like? Hmm. I think there is, you're right, I think there is a um, definitely a, a bit of a taboo and a bit of a stigma. And I think, first and foremost, it's just, it's hard. Like, you have to really put yourself out there and be vulnerable to, to talk about these kinds of things mm. because often they they were very painful. And I think that, you know, putting that out there is um, can be perceived by some as a sign of weakness, mm. which is is not easy to, to overcome and I think the only way that it's really going to change is by people being being courageous and being willing to share their stories and share share their scars and mm. share the lessons that they've learned from going this and really opening up a conversation around um, around startup burnout and around how you can um, like, like you're talking about resilience uh, but how you can basically put in, precautions and i think mm. have a healthy mindset towards ensuring that you know you don't go towards that burnout path mm. which i think is is really common yeah um, for a lot of entrepreneurs what are some of the signs that people can recognize that might be listening to this and might not even be aware that they're heading for the burnout or they're experiencing a burnout startup what, what would become some of the signs they could look out for 
Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, some of the common signs are working working weekends and not <laughs> prioritizing um, your own health. And I think it, it's tricky because in the early days of, of almost any business, there's going to be there's going to be times when you're kind of burning the candle at both ends and you're going to be pushing yourself a bit. Um, certainly working more than you probably would if you were working a, a regular nine to five. But I think it's it's really important to make sure that you give yourself those um, little pockets of stillness or or time when you do things for yourself because that creative renewal will actually ensure that you are spending your time working on the right things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really common for people to be in that like in fifth gear and working all hours and kind of wearing like work as badge, almost like as a badge yeah, of honor. Yeah. Yeah. And like being constantly busy and busy. Being like, I'm oh, so busy. I'm yeah, I'm, um, yeah. I'm doing all the stuff. But if you're not working on the right things, then it doesn't really matter. And something that I've been thinking about myself is this idea of managing your energy, but not your time. Mm. And so maybe it's working fewer hours, but the w- hours that you're working, the the output is that much greater, and you're you're much more creative. Yeah. And you're in a right you're in the right state. So maybe yeah. that means doing something active in the morning, or maybe it means um, going for a walk at like at lunchtime or something like that, just to kind of recharge you and to give you that perspective, which is is honestly quite easy to lose when you're when you feel like there's always more things to be done. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's. It's interesting, isn't it? I love that the whole thing about the badge of honor. It's so like, and that, you know, <coughs> to be fair, there are some, you know, aspects of this whole entrepreneurial startup world where you hear mm. it by these inspiring big people like, you know, you've got to wake up at four o'clock and you've got to be like the first one on those email and you've got to be crushy. You've got to go for it. Like you've got to grind. You've got to work a hundred hour week, you know, and, mm. I'm, and I'm on the opposite saying like exactly mm. a bit what you're saying is like uh, for, for the sake of what, mm. like for what? So, you know, it's like there's, there's this fable around the, uh, New Yorker stock uh, broker who comes into the, a village, a fisherman village. Do you know the story where it's that famous story where he goes, he buys this fish every oh, day. Yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, for, uh, for the sake of what? For like, so uh-huh. I can come back and do exactly what I'm doing now, and just yeah. actually more time. And yeah, um, yeah. And so, so before we kind of wrap up the last couple of questions, I just want to say, like, I really think it's an amazing gift that you're bringing to the startup community and the startup tribe that escaped the city, where you know, giving them some guidance and, and giving back that mentorship that you guys had also throughout your accelerators mm. when you went to, to Chile and and, mm. uh, um, and America. And you're also famously known for having been the man who started the startup craze in Morocco <laughs> because of a, of, of a Quora, <laughs> is it? A, cu- a, Quora a Quora post. Yeah, yeah. Quora post that you posted. Uh, but really like, and I know that my wish is that you continue this conversation around uh, the well-being, the mm. emotional and physical well-being of startups, because mm. I think that's what's really needed, and I hope that you can bring that conversation forward with your new tribe mates that you come, that you you sort of lead and and mentor. I hope mm. that that can be part of the well conversation. Um, well, f- well, thank you. That that's really kind of you to say, and I think um, what that kind of brings up for me is is I think it's so important to not be so obsessed and so focused on the outcome, and I think that no matter what you do, if you're not enjoying the process and if you're not enjoying the journey mm. then then you're doing something wrong because yeah. in startups there's never any guarantee of any kind of outcome and if you're only doing it because you want to you want to sell out or you want to you're focused on something that's a year or two down the line then it's chances are it's not going to work out but if you're if you're enjoying the journey and you're meeting great people and you're learning things along the way then either way you're gonna you're gonna win like you there's mm. no way to lose there is no failure yeah even if the startup goes tits up then <laughs> it's it's fine because you've yeah. enjoyed the process you've met great people and you've learned a lot along the way mm. and for me that's the kind of i think that's kind of one of the key learnings that i've yeah. had from the last few Love years that. what does being unconventional mean to you <sighs> I, th- I thought this question was to me, I think it means embracing embracing yourself and embracing your quirks and realizing that we're all weird in our own <laughs> little ways <laughs> and that actually that's that's a good thing. Yeah. And it keeps life interesting. And when I think of people who are unconventional, um, in my mind, they're people who've really embraced their own weirdness mm. and their own quirkiness. Yeah. Love that. Uh, if there were uh, three pieces of advice or three truths that are truer than you, than truer than truth for you, that you could pass on to the next generation, 
what would those three truths be? And it, this could be about life in general, about... Mm. Yeah. Um, the first one would be, I think, there's this, there's this quote by, by Goethe, who's, uh, he talks about how boldness has this genius and power and magic in it. And I think that something that I've found to be true in my own life is when you make some sort of like bold, crazy, courageous decision and just follow your gut, you can you can't predict all of the the things that then follow on from that. It's almost like the universe conspires in your favor. Yeah. When then just kind of following that decision. So that's that's something that com comes in. Um the second would be I think I think it goes back to that idea of of paying it forward and giving back without expecting anything in return. Mm. And I think that um although it can be hard to actually put that into practice and make time for it when you do um it actually makes you feel pretty good as well mm. and it's something that i have tried i try and do kind of more and more and it is something that i really get a lot out of as mm. well um so it's not at all a, a selfish or, or an altruistic thing mm. um third piece of advice <laughs> interesting <laughs> 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 um yeah i think it goes back to to enjoying the journey and being being focused on the process and making sure that you're waking up excited every morning to do whatever it is that you're doing and if, if you're not too many days in a row then it's probably a sign that something needs to change yeah Johnny Miller thank you so much thank you there you have it folks I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did what I loved about Johnny's story is just this incredible uh, adventure of just chasing the next step without really knowing what the outcome was and actually this realization halfway through that what they wanted wasn't to become this huge big uh, money-oriented startup but actually have a purpose and a mission and, and sometimes that's just a slower process a little bit like base camp that he explained and it's always way more worth chasing purpose over profits that's that's at least what i believe too if you want to get in touch with uh, johnny you can go over on twitter and that's at johnny m1 l l e r and i hope that makes sense hopefully if you just type in johnny miller in twitter you'll come across his profile and if you want to let me know what was one of your favorite quotes from today you can do that by putting me in your tweet at Mark Roost. As always, I'm so grateful for having taken the time to listen to today's show. Thank you so much for spreading the word far and wide. If there's certain guests that you'd like me to get on the show, let me know. Send me an email or come over and drop a, a little comment in the on the SoundCloud or on the website. Wherever you can reach me, I'll be there waiting for you to get send out a, a message. And also just a reminder, the open uh, applications are now uh, open. I don't know what the hell that sentence was for the Academy of, of Building Your Personal Brand Accelerator Program. It's eight weeks. We meet once a week on Tuesday nights. And there's going to be a very small group of us that I'll be co-leading. Actually, that I'll be leading, sorry. And there'll be a ton of resources and content to help you put yourself out there and get your message out into the world. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Remember, get some help, get some support, open up. It's okay to feel crap at times. Totally cool. The world needs more truth. So help feed the world the good, positive stuff of sharing what's really going on. Thank you. And I'll see you next time.